This evening's reading, we're continuing in Proverbs, and it's from Proverbs chapter 2, and if you're following in the Church Bibles, that's on page 636. So Proverbs chapter 2, page 636. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield for those whose way of life is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Surely her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Thus you will walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. Do keep your Bibles open at um, Proverbs chapter 2. It's lovely to sit for a while under the wisdom of of such a a great king. Solomon was the greatest king that Israel ever had, and the kingdom under him was, was at its peak. And here we are this evening, generations later, and under the wisdom of Solomon, that great king. So there's, there's lots for us to learn, and I'm sure if you, as you heard these verses spoken a few seconds ago, then they're apt, they're applicable from, for generations upon generations, and yet we serve the king of kings. And as these words are his words, ultimately, he speaks to us in a greater wisdom than Solomon ever did. So let's pray and ask him to speak to us this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you indeed for your word. It is a treasure. And yet we can can hear it and we can read it and it just goes either over our our heads or, or through our ears. So we pray this evening, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, that you would grant us to understand in a spiritual sense this wisdom that is here before us. Open our ears to hear your word. Open our eyes to see things that are very difficult, impossible for us to see by ourselves. Help us to see you 
and your purposes and your plans ever more clearly. Amen. Amen. Life, we often look at life, don't we, as, as like a, a journey. And, and I had a lovely text. I was talking to a friend the other day, midweek, in, in New Zealand. It's wonderful to me that I can sit on this magic bit of thing and, and speak to somebody 13 hours ahead of me on the other side of the world. There's still this like, this is wonderful. This is Star Trek to somebody my age. And, and we had this lovely conversation. And I realized halfway through, I said, John, it's the middle of the night. What are you doing up at 3.30 in the morning? And he said, oh, we've got a new puppy. I'm doing its, tra- its training. But, but dear John, I was at Bible college with him in the late 1970s. So like another world ago, we were together. And John was a bit of a rough diamond. He really was. And when later on I, I read the history of his life, it, it, he is a trophy of grace. And, and wonderfully, dear John is still going on with the Lord. And we got back into contact again. And it's really nice. And, and he ended his, his lovely little message. And it's this, it's beautiful. And he says, he said, blessings on the journey. I trust all your family members are drawn into the paths of righteousness. Brother John. What a lovely way, wasn't it, to end that text. And what a good introduction to, to our sermon this evening. Life is a path that we travel. And, and, and what Solomon wants his son to do, this is the fatherly advice, verse 1 of chapter 2, my son... He wants him to get on to this path of life that, that Solomon has found. And that, that's want to be the theme that I want us to look at this evening, is this path of life, God's path. God's path, which is the path of righteousness, and is very much a theme of the whole book of Proverbs. And, and it's wonderful. And yes, we, we say to us, don't we, our, our children are going off to university, they're starting their path on their own and so on. And, and we say sometimes when the kids go off the rails or whatever, he's taken a wrong path in life and so on. We use this phrase all the time, life is a journey, life is a path. And to find that path is, is a blessing, to find God's path. And I think that's what Solomon wants his son to find, this path of life, God's path for him. So that's where we're going to go. We're going to, and and, and this, this proverb speaks about that. The first few verses, verses 1 to 4, speak of seeking that path out. And then it's finding that path of life. Then staying on that path of life. And then right at the end, where does this path lead to? So that's where we're going this evening. So stay on board. Stay on the path as long as you can. And hopefully we'll, we'll get to the end of it. So... Um, First of all, seeking the path, verses 1 to 4. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand. So seeking the path in these verses 1 to 4, is there's a lot of energy, isn't there, an effort going on here. If you accept my words, if you store up my commands, if you turn your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding, call out for insight, cry aloud for understanding, look for it like you're looking for silver, dig for it, find it out, search for it as for hidden treasure. There's, there's a lot of energy and effort going on to find this path of life. And he's saying that to his son. And we're not born on the path, are we? We're not born as Christians. We need to seek that. We need to seek God's path of life. And seek it hard and, and seek it long. 
Note the ifs that are here in verses one, three, and four. If you accept my words, if you call out, if you look for it, then. There is a, a strong degree that we are involved in this seeking, this, this path of life. And one of the things we do, I think, well here at Bishop Hannington is we welcome seekers. We welcome those who are seeking to find this path of life. And it's not easy to find it. Very often it seems to be hidden. We can only find it when God like draws back the curtains and reveals it. Ah, now I found it. We do Alpha. Christianity explored whatever it's been. So if you're seeking this evening, good. You're very welcome, and we will do all that we can at Bishop Hannington to help you to find the path of life. From beginning to, to seek Christ, I think I was about 17, it took me four years to find the path of life. And when you, when you write your little testimony out, it, it all sounds very straightforward, but four years from, from seeking, being absolutely ignorant of the things of God, and a million miles away, until it, be, it really did make sense. And I knew for certain that I was on the path of life. So those of you that are seeking and think, do you know what? I haven't found it. I haven't found it yet. Then God will also help you in that path. The stuff to be done while you're seeking, you need to be made ready for that time when God brings you and welcomes you onto the path of life. So verses 1 to 4, seeking the path. Verses 5 to 12, finding the path of life. Seek and you will find, says the scriptures. That's the truth that we rest on, especially to do with God. He doesn't make empty promises. Seek and you will find. That's the truth that we, we hold on to. Note the thens in verses 5 and 9. So if, if, if you do all these things, if you go seeking and searching for it, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Then you will find the knowledge of God. Then you will gain understanding. And God will become all these things to you, a shield, a guard, a protector. Your understanding will, will, will grow and, and you'll know who God is and what God has done. So the, the path starts with, with seeking God. We seek him until you find him. And then as we see in verse 5, the path starts with, with knowing God. Look at verse 5. Then, you, then, having sought him, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The path of life starts with a, with a knowledge of God, with knowing God personally. And it's not just, a, I, okay, I, I go and I read a book and it tells me about what God does and, and what God's like. It, it's not that kind of knowledge. It's a personal knowledge. It's an intimate knowledge. It, it, it's, it's a meeting with God, an encounter with the living God. Well, that seems like unbelievable that we could encounter God, this great God that we've been singing about. We can have an encounter with him. That's what salvation is about. That's why Christ came, that we, fallen that we are and a million miles away from him, can be united with God in Christ. Christianity is a wonderful thing. It's, a, it's greater than a treasure that, that, that anybody could ever get. That's why Solomon wants his son to know this. Solomon wants his son to experience and to know it. The, the path of life starts with, with an experiential knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said to people, I'm the gate to this path of life. I am the way the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. So 
Can I ask you simply that question tonight? Those of you here, those online, have you had that personal encounter with the living God? Because that's what you should be seeking. That's what you should be aiming for, to meet with God in Christ Jesus. Finding the path, finding the path. And then look at the promises for those who walk in his path. They're here in verses 9 to 11. Note your understanding. Then you will understand. Begins to make sense. Understand the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is then this, this knowledge of God, this experience of God, this awe. Then they will find the knowledge of God, this personal, I've discovered God. I know God. I remember when I first became a Christian, oh dear, Phil's, Phil knows God, Phil's met God. And it, yes, it was a joke, but yes, it's true. Phil had met with the Lord and he's never been the same since, thank goodness. Praise God for that. And, and, and yet then from his mouth, it's a, for the Lord gives wisdom. We want to learn more about God. God gives wisdom. Where do we get this wisdom from? It comes from him. Everything comes from him. Once we found the Lord, then things begin to take shape. Things begin to make sense. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. He guards the course of the just, protects the way of the faithful ones. Then you'll understand what's right and just. Begins to make sense. Not only are you, have you started the path, but things begin to change inside and you're able to walk that, that path of life. Wisdom enters the heart, verse 10. For wisdom will enter the heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. This is every parent's prayer for their children, isn't it? Wisdom will enter their hearts and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. And, and that's true. Our hearts are changed. Our hearts become the place where God's wisdom enters and we begin to become wise. We begin to understand the things of God. We begin to grow in the things of God. And is it something that's like forced on us? No. It's pleasant to our souls. But when we hear the truth preached, when we hear the Lord Jesus extolled, when we hear about this path of life and the encouragement of the things to, to, to do on this path, it's pleasant to our souls. We, we, we can't get enough. We want to hear more. So wisdom enters the heart, verse 10. It's pleasant to the soul. And I think Ephesians helps us to understand that a little bit. Where, where does this wisdom come from? The, the Apostle Paul, in praying for the believers in, in Ephesus, whom he loved dearly, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. It comes from God. God gives us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know him better. Yes, we come to know God when we, when we begin the path of life, but, but the path of life helps us to know God ever better. We're discovering more and more about God. Well, you'd think we're there then. We, we've, we've sought the path. We've found the path. What more is there to come? Well, it's called walking the path of life. And as um, dear Paul reminded us this morning, that it, it's not always an easy path that God calls us to walk. And the Christian life is by no means easy. It, it's not a bed of roses. I remember we had a friend once who, who was disappointed, really. She'd become a Christian, and, and things in her life, rather than getting better, got a lot worse. 
And, and she was puzzled, and she, she spoke, speaking to Alice and my wife and I about this, and she said, I really thought that becoming a Christian was like an insurance policy about anything going wrong. And we gently informed her that it's the very opposite of that. We, the Christian pilgrimage, one, one that you face opposition from the start in many ways, and this journey of life that Christ calls us on to, it's not a bed of roses, it's a challenge. There are battles so fierce, you wouldn't, we just will not stand in your own strength. But rather than be discouraged and say, oh my goodness, what have I signed up for? It's an adventure. It's jolly exciting to be a Christian because you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what God is going to bring you into or against or whatever. There's a lot of excitement in the Christian life. You make our plans, we make our plans, but God directs our steps and sometimes those steps are not where we've made our plans. And that's the excitement. There's a real romance in living and wor working out this path of life. Who'd have thought, Nick, that you'd be coming down to lovely Hove by the seaside? Was that part of your plan years ago? Not in the slightest. But God has... It's an excitement. It's a great journey. Who knows, you young people, what God has got in store for you. Get on the path of life. And you'll be surprised what the Lord has in store. And it will be... Exciting. It's an adventure. But there is opposition. Verse 12, we, we come into this, this the, the clouds kind of get dark, don't they? There, there's opposition. There are wicked men and adulterous women to, 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 to contend with. But as we, we read at the very beginning, God's wisdom will save us and keep us safe and shield us. Yeah, there is fierce opposition. But look, the Lord, the Almighty One, He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless on the path of life. He guards the course, the path of the just. He protects the way of his faithful ones. No matter what comes our way, no matter how dark and fierce, it's God is with us. God is going to protect us and we look to him and we trust him to help us and to shield us from all these battles that we face. And, and what is the opposition? It's wicked men and adulterous women. Well, that sounds pretty frightening, doesn't it? Really, Wicked men and, and adulterous women. Where are they? Where are these people that, that are going to be our fierce opposition? Now, when Jesus was speaking of his own generation, what did he call them? A wicked and an adulterous generation. That's what Jesus looked upon the people round about him. And he said, this is a wicked and an adulterous generation. And as, as we read the Bible through... That kind of phrase keeps cropping up because that's exactly what it is. Have we changed in the 21st century? How is our generation? Wicked and adulterous too. So, so who are these wicked men? 70 times in Proverbs they're mentioned. So that they're, they're all over the place, that's for certain. So, and, and we have a description here of their lifestyle. Look at it in, in verse, verse 11. Verse 12, wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths, who, who walk in dark ways. Their path is a different path from the straight path of life, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. What we have... This, 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 this vivid description here is of a very ungodly lifestyle. They delight in doing wrong. They walk in dark ways, not in the light. 
And, and what we have here, I think, and in, in the rest of Proverbs, is this, this picture of humanity. Humanity as it really is. Fallen humanity. This is humanity as God sees it. This is the world. This is the world that Jesus came into to save. Fallen, broken, seeking things that are, talking words that are perverse, and seeking things that are wrong. Delight in doing wrong and rejoicing in the perverseness of evil. This is fallen humanity, all shapes and sizes, all walks of life, young, old, every nationality. You find these kind of people in business, you find them in politics, you find them in religion, you find them in the filthy. They're, amongst this group of people are the filthy rich, amongst this group of people are the dirt poor as well. It's what the Bible calls sinners. This is the world. This is what... This is what um, Solomon is reminding his son about this is what you're going to face this is where opposition comes the world, sinners this is the realm that our path walks through this is the realm that Christ has, has escaped us from brought us out of and the human heart we're told in Jeremiah 17.9 is desperately wicked desperately wicked the human heart is but we're also promised in the scriptures a new heart and that's what happens to us when we become Christians. We're given a new heart and a new spirit. And rather than being desperately wicked, it's, it's incredibly good because it's the same heart as Christ's heart. But within us, there is this conflict. We know that. We experience that. that the, the two are in conflict with one another. But with God's grace and goodness, that good new heart overcomes the wicked heart. And we, and we, and we sense God's help and strength in that. This is what we once were or still are, if we're not in the, the path of life. And, and that, that world wants us back. And the path of life that we walk in passes through this realm. This is where we are. We're in the realm of the world. Hence the need for protection and safekeeping from God. We're in the world, but we're not of the world anymore. But we are to be a godly influence. Christians are salt. Christians are like, we, we don't like cover ourselves and kind of escape from the people round about us. No, we, we're amongst them. We love them. We, we dearly cherish them. But we realize they're on a different path, a different course to us. And we stay very much on our path. We stay, we walk the walk of righteousness. We don't join with them in their ways of wickedness that once we did. And, but we are to be an influence. We are to be salt and light in the world. And I'm sure God will call some of you youngsters and some of us older ones too to be that salt and light, to shine for him in, in, in this dark world. It's the way, way of darkness. So we, we've met the wicked men. They're roundabouters. We, we need to be careful of them. Don't go back into the world. The world will, will lure us back in. It's it's where we once belonged, but we don't anymore. And part of the Christian pathways is to keep ourselves in the path of life by walking in God's ways, by being obedient to his commands, by walking closely with him, not away from him. That's the world. What about the adulterous woman in verses 16 to 19? Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Surely her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. This adulterous woman crops up a lot in the next few chapters, chapters 5, 6, and 7, really major 
on this adulterous woman. Who is she? Who is she? This adultery in itself, if we just read this as it is, is not a good way to go. Some of you will have committed adultery. Some of you have been committed against in that. It never works out well. Just on the surface level, it doesn't. But there's another level to the scriptures that this speaks of other things, this, this adultery with God. God. God called his people an adulterous people because they turned their backs upon him. Our relationship to God is, God is one of marriage. We are precious and to him, and we need to be pure with him. So, so this, this adulterous woman, if you're, we're going to be hearing about her a lot in chapters 5, 6, and 7, so we, we'll, we'll pass fairly quickly on with the adulterous woman. But basically, as the wicked men are the enemy without the world, so I believe this, this adulterous woman is the enemy within. She is the flesh. She is the inner temptations that we all fight, that we fight fiercely against because we want to remain pure. She is an immorality in all her shades and colors. And she's unchanging. She's always the same. Seductive words, and as we'll find out later on, alluring in every way. I love this little poem from Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim, Pilgrim's Progress written in 1660-something. There is the pilgrim passing through on the path of life, going to the celestial city, and his friend Faithful draws alongside, and they have a lovely talk, a lovely conversation, and then, then Christian comes up with this lovely little poem. He said, and this is it, because they think, how difficult it's been so far. And, and Christian says, the trials that those men do meet with all that are obedient to the heavenly call are manifold and suited to the flesh and come and come and come again afresh that now or sometime else we by them may be taken, overcome and cast away. Oh, let the pilgrims, let the pilgrims then be vigilant and quit themselves like men. In other words, come on guys, let's get on with this. Let's fight this good fight. They're, they're suited to the flesh and come and come and come again afresh. Lots of nods going on tonight. How true that is. The devil knows how to get to us. They're subtle and so on. This, this is the, the flesh within. The inner temptations, we've got to fight them. We've got to overcome them. I just want to touch on verse 19 very, very quickly. So does 19, let me read it to you. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. So does this teach that an adulterer can never, ever be forgiven? No, thankfully, not at all. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, they were a, a difficult bunch of people to minister to. They'd been terribly wrong. They'd been saved. They'd come out of this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. They were walking this path of life. And Paul says to them, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit. These are the wicked men, the adulterous women, will inherit the kingdom of God. They won't. And that is what some of you were. They were adulterers. They were these horrible things. That's what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. That is what you were, but now you are washed. 
you are sanctified. So the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin, all underlined there. Ex-tax collectors, prostitutes, and so on were amongst the followers of Jesus, the Savior who rescues us from these fallen people and from the world. So we've been seeking the path of life, finding the path of life, and keeping on to the path of life. Finally, where does the path end? And we have it there at the end of the verse. Thus, verse 20, you will walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of righteousness. The end, verse 21 and 22, for the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. Two paths in life. There's the path of life, which verse 21 says leads to further life. And second path is the path of the wicked, which leads to separation from life, from God's life, which leads to death. Jesus taught a very clear parable about that. At the end, at the end, what, what is it going to be? There's going to be the, the gathering in of the, the, the wheat and the weeds. Jesus said, let them grow up together. Don't uproot them while they're growing, but let them grow up together. But at the harvest, the weeds will be uprooted and torn out from God's field, from God's kingdom. So the two paths in life, one leads to further life, the other leads to separation from life and death. Two paths in life. Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. So let's seek with all of our hearts everything that we have. Let's find, let's walk this path of life. Stay on it and spur one another on, making it our ambition to keep each other on the path of life, spurring one another on in it to please the Lord together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom that's in your word. How on earth can we attain to stay on this path of life? We feel it's an impossibility. But Lord, with you by our side, we certainly can. So help us, we pray. If we've fallen off the path of life, Lord, in your mercy, bring us back on. Forgive us our sins. Bring us back into close fellowship with you, we pray. Help us to keep on walking, to find the path of life, to seek it, to, to, to maintain our walk on it, to bring you praise and glory. And one day, one day, to, to reach the end of that path, to be in your presence and to live with you forever. Amen.